This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Standard. We all know that feeling when you walk into a posh restaurant... The relaxed music in the background, the expensive decor and furniture all around, and the smartly dressed waiter welcoming you in. An appetizer, some soup, maybe a steak, some desserts and an aperitif later. The bill lands on your table and you wonder if those five courses were truly worth it. Well, it seems that scenario is becoming a less common one in London. Data from Harden's London Restaurants Guide shows the number of hyper-luxurious restaurants offering dizzying new levels of exorbitance and prices to match are on the rise. Back in 2016, there was just one in the capital. Fast forward to today and there are 54 such eateries where a couple could expect to receive a bill for at least £300 for their evening out. That's up by almost half from 37 of them last year despite the ongoing cost-of-living crisis. So, just how luxurious are these fine-dining establishments? And why is London seeing such a big rise in posh places to eat? I'm now joined by our business editor, Jonathan Prynne, and our going-out editor, David Ellis. Uh, Welcome both to the pod. John, I'm going to start with you. New places to eat pop up all the time in London. How do you define a hyper-luxurious restaurant? Well, I guess it's always slightly subjective, but the definition that we've had today from Harden's uh, London Restaurants Guide, with the new edition of it, which is, which is out shortly, um, suggests that uh, anything over about £150 a head, I think they're saying, uh, would qualify for, for that description. And we're seeing growing numbers, the guide suggests, in London, of restaurants in that price tier. What are the figures saying in terms of that rise? How significant has it been? It's been incredibly significant. Over the last uh, year, there's been an increase in the number of restaurants in that bracket of about 46%. It's gone up from 37 to 54, according to their calculations. In the even more rarefied bracket, £250 a head plus, the numbers have doubled from 6 to 11, or almost doubled. So um, every year we're seeing more and more restaurants opening up at levels that would have been unthinkable uh, a few years ago. In fact, it's only seven years since London saw its first restaurant at the £150 a head level. Now there are 54. 
Uh, and David, it's sort of your job to, to go to these places and try them out and review them. Uh, can you talk us through the sort of expensive extras you've seen at some of these places? What is it about them that makes them hyper-luxurious? I think they think it's something to do with service and about attentiveness. Um, but it's also about those sort of big name extras that you can get in. So caviar's been very big this year. Caviar's a pointless thing to buy in a restaurant because it's the same price in the supermarket. They can't put much of a markup on. But you'll find that at extraordinary prices. It will be uh, marquee wine lists. That's where a big amount of the cost comes in. It will be things like blue tail lobster. It'll be wagyu beef. It'll be Kobe beef. It'll be all the things that people know just enough about to think that it's worth paying for. Who are the people going to these restaurants? Do you go in expecting to see celebrities, YouTubers, or is it more a case of sort of rich businessmen going into these places? Um, It's a mix. There's couples who don't talk to each other. They're quite popular at these places. You find business meetings actually happen there quite a lot. Very high-end things, but you can see that they're discussing something that's important. There's a way that they've done it like this, and it's it's a way of sort of breaking bread and showing willing to each other. You do find a glamorous set who come in their Lamborghinis and like to make sure they stop right outside that everyone stops for them so there's a bit of that so yeah showboating crowds couples who have nothing to do but sit opposite each other and the food can do the talking for them and then yeah you will see celebrities out but actually not at the really really high end you don't often see them so obviously because of some of these really really high end places are incredibly small now if you turn to your left and Brad Pitt's there that's going to be uncomfortable for him And John, this huge rise in just the past six months, really, as you mentioned, is pretty incredible. Are there any clues as to what it's down to, why there has been this increase in these super expensive restaurants? I guess, oh, David will know this better than me, but I mean, there's certain gastronomic trends that seem very powerful at the moment. One of those seems to be the, what appears to you and me, like incredibly, maybe ludicrously expensive tasting menus of 150, 200 pounds each before you've even sipped a glass of wine. That seems to be a big thing in London at the moment. There is a lot of money in London. We've just seen a slew of new hotels opening in the sort of thousand pound a night plus bracket. And it's all part of the same trend, I guess. The world's wealthiest people like to spend a fair amount of time in London. I mean, it's, you know, it's a great economic benefit for London, but it's also tough for Londoners because it means we get, you know, ordinary Londoners get priced out of a lot of places. But yeah, I mean, London is still a very, very popular place and, and high spending Americans are back in huge numbers. High spending Chinese are starting to come back and that all feeds this market for very, very high-end restaurants. Let's take a break now in part two, how expensive eating has become the new way to show off. It's also interesting because it's not something that you can keep. You can't own it. You don't have it. You can't sell it on. And I think in a way, that's a way for people to show their status even more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. 
The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And John, in your piece online, you mentioned the rise in high-end Japanese sushi. I don't know the pronunciation myself. Is it omakase? Omakase. Omakase. What are those restaurants all about? Well, I'd probably defer to David on this, but in Tokyo, where they or Japan, where they come from, they've always been renowned for being incredibly expensive experiences. But David, you might have more insight. I think there's a few things. I think with the omakase experience, it's all to do with the sourcing and how much time and preparation they spend over it. It's, it's to do with the service that they offer you. It's to do with the intimacy of the experience as well. You know, they're, they're not big counters. They can't turn out lots of foods, so demand is high. Price goes up. I think, though, there's another thing which is more to do with the places that can afford to host these restaurants and the rooms that they're doing. You know, if you can open in an old store cupboard and fit nine people in and you can charge £450 a head, you've done pretty well for yourself. And this talks to a large problem that we have about the rents and the landlords and things that are still sort of with us at the moment. It's really hard to open a restaurant at the moment. But if you've put in five, 10, 20 million quid already, you're not going to stop. So that's why we've seen this slew of high-end restaurants because the investors have gone so far they can't pull out now whereas why you don't see such good value restaurants is the person who's put in their life savings which could be 60 70 80 thousand that's barely enough to get a restaurant open and at that point they might put in 40 and they've got 40 left and they're thinking well i've still got a mortgage and i just can't risk it we're just going to have to cut and loss and so those sort of bistro things that you would expect don't necessarily come to pass so on that basis are we expecting to see more of these popping up in London as the months and years go by? I think there is a limit. We've had a lot of openings, a huge number of openings at this sort of level, as these numbers suggest. Bill inflation is running at uh, 10.7% in London, according to these hardness figures. I think there is a ceiling where the market can't support any more restaurants at that sort of level. That said, people have been saying that for quite a long time, and yet still they come. You know, there's always room for a new kid on the block in central London. But I think next year with the economic situation looking not great, I think there will be a limit to and maybe some pushback from diners as well saying we're not paying 300 quid. I completely agree with Jonathan. And I think the other thing about the people who go into these restaurants, so you might not be able to afford the Lamborghini, right, or the new Rolls Royce. That's Mm. just too expensive. But if you are really showing off or it's a really special occasion, you might be able to stretch to six, seven hundred pounds for a meal out. I mean, it's a lot of money, but you can just about do it. Now, if there's more and more of these restaurants, you will find that there are fewer and fewer people who just really can do that as a one-off. And if they don't exist anymore and they've been priced out, then actually you'll find that those restaurants suddenly are empty because it is people going, right, well, we've been, you know, it might be we've been married 40 years or it might be like, I'm getting engaged to the love of my life. It's a, it's a birthday, something like that. Mm. And actually suddenly once it starts, when it was £100 a head for top, top end, you found loads of people going out, just going for an experience of their lifetime. But at this sort of price, you can't. And also, I think that you find when you see diners like that, they're often paralysed by the price so that their own perspective on the food gets completely lost. I've spent 600 quid. It better be really, really good. 
or the other way, I spent £60. I thought it was all right. It wasn't that much better than the meal we had at so-and-so down the road. And so I think that that means that the market for those restaurants overall will at some point be saturated. And speaking of the price, the sort of highest ticket item in your piece, John, was the £900 14-ounce Wagyu steak. You mentioned limits earlier. Is there any limit, do you think, to what could be charged? Could anything get so exclusive, perhaps, that it breaches even the £900 mark? Yeah, I guess. I mean, there may be some kind of macho posturing when it comes to things like the £900 steak that, you know, they get, they've got a huge amount of coverage. And it was it was the same story at Salt Bay's place when that opened with the, the Tomahawk steak, was it? 700 Yeah, there were bills gold, of 37,000 going around. Yeah, exactly. And, and there, there, are, there are some people that for whom money is literally no object, for whom it's fun to order the £900 Wagyu or, or whatever. But, you know, that alone is not going to support dozens and dozens of these places. As David says, you, there has to be a sort of bedrock of, of ordinary folk as well as the plutocrats and A-listers going in. So, um, I don't know, maybe the, the winds will shift and next year's big thing will be affordable bistros but we'll see for the moment we do seem to be caught in this sort of rush to uh you know ludicrous expense with i suppose the thousand pound i think we're already there in some places aren't we, we are at thousand yeah yeah so i think what's quite interesting with that it's at 900 pounds and it is just a marker for those people who think it's quite fun to to spend that much but we do seem to have a sort of two-tier restaurant system at the moment. So Jonathan just mentioned affordable bistros, and actually we've seen quite a few of those this year, back to that sort of comfort style of cooking. And they're not, they're not particularly cheap by what we would have considered before, but they're actually appealing to people. And these just exist in a totally different plane. And I think the other thing that is really interesting about this, so that's Aragara, the place that serves £900 steak. But that's not a known name over here. You have to be into your food and also know that New York has one and and all of this stuff. And if you don't, why would you particularly want to go? And it shows that the consumer has changed because once upon a time, you would have expected if you were going to spend that much money at a restaurant, you would have thought you'd be going to Gordon Ramsay, Nico Ladernis, Anthony Moore Thompson back in the day. You would have to have a chef that you recognize. Those chef names don't seem to be carrying that same currency. There's this thing where certain diners the type that's going to spend £900, like to be able to say to their friend, you haven't heard of it. I guarantee you it's the best steak in the world. There's that kind of feeling of being an insider, whereas everyone knows who Ramsay is. So you go, we're going to go to uh, Hospital Road for his three-star experience. Great. You'll have a fabulous meal at an enormous cost. But there's the prestige of the big-name chef seems to be on the wane. I do think it's interesting that Jonathan mentioned you can be spending this money without a drop of wine being spilt because that is very different so there's a very famous story about Patrice Ramsey's uh, one star where the four bankers who later got fired spent something like £66,407 it's not exactly that but on this meal now all of that was the wine because the restaurant gave them their food for free and now you're getting to the point where you could spend 700 800 a head and that is without any wine without any beer, any water even, without the service. Trial you know, do. Yeah. It's just pure ingredients. And that just shows you how people have changed how they see food as being this hyper-luxury thing. And it's also interesting because it's not something that you can keep. You can't own it. You don't have it. You can't sell it on. And I think in a way that's a way for people to show their status even more. It's not like if you spent 100 grand on a watch or half a mil on a car, 
you've got that. You can move that asset on. This is an asset that you are completely throwing away, which I suppose is the absolute definition of luxury. There's more news, interviews and analysis in the Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.